Hello, everyone, and welcome to this week's episode of the Faith to Go podcast, your one-stop shop for everything you need to have faith discussions throughout your week with your friends and with your family. My name is David Tremaine, and I'm the Digital Resource Curator for Faith to Go. And I'm Charlotte Pressler, and I'm the Director of Formation for the Episcopal Diocese of San Diego. My name is Angel Ibarra, and I'm the Associate Director of Strategic Partnerships and Government Affairs with Episcopal Community Services. I'm Megan Costello. I'm the Board Secretary for ECS, and in my day job, I work in tech companies. Thank you guys for being here. <laughs> so Thank fun. Thank you for having us. Welcome, Angel and Megan, and welcome to you all for tuning in for this week leading up to the third Sunday in Easter in year A. That will be April 23rd, 2023, so we can you know, correctly archive this episode. Perfect. We welcome you all. Thank you for tuning in. Angel and Megan, would you share a little bit more about your ministry context and, the and you know, what's going on with ECS? Yeah, definitely. So my role at ECS is really to build partnerships and involve people in our, in our mission at ECS. So I work with a lot of our nonprofit partners, our partners in ministry, and also with government officials and elected officials. Um, and their staffers to really raise awareness of uh, all the amazing work that ECS is is doing around San Diego, serving more than 7,000 individuals and families every year in the areas of substance use disorder treatment, mental health for children, early head start, and also homeless solutions. I have kind of a circuitous route for coming to ECS. In 2020, it was my goal to be more involved in my community and find ways to make new friends in San Diego and really just get out there and, you know, make those connections. That lasted about six weeks. Mm -hmm. And then we all know what happened. Mm -hmm. Fast forward to a year and a half after that, a good friend of mine knew Elizabeth, who's the CEO of ECS, and asked me if I was interested in getting involved. I've since learned that most people who get involved with ECS get there because somebody asked them. So stay away. I might ask you. (laughs) I've had the experience of being on the board now for about a year and a half, and it's been really amazing to help me both understand a little bit more of the way that the diocese is acting in the community, but also to really get a view of how I can use some of my background, some of my experience to serve in a way that I didn't really imagine. It's a whole other podcast to get into like my own faith journey and how, how I landed in the Episcopal Church from a, a much more dogmatic evangelical environment. It's been really great to, to understand how to be involved in a way that engages both religion and, and policy and community in action um, in a way that's very open and inclusive. Mm-hmm. Where would you say you find joy in your work with ECS? I find joy in my work, just being able to be a cheerleader for my colleagues who are doing all this amazing work in the community, really on the front lines of so many of the pressing social issues in our community right now, Mm -hmm. and working with our Episcopal parishes to really uplift and show that our faith is in action through ECS and how we are um, really bringing the, the joy of service into the community. And also, you know, I get to work with some pretty amazing board members. And we're actually here to talk today a little bit about an upcoming initiative that we started last year, uh, really focused on raising awareness and bring people into our mission as well. So Megan, do you want to, do you mind talking a little bit about that? Yeah, sure. So similarly, one of the things I've enjoyed about working with ECS is getting to work with the staff at ECS Like Angel, who are so committed to the work that they're doing. The reach that is in the community is just phenomenal. And I had no idea it was going on um, until someone sort of said to me, hey, look at this. This is this is pretty awesome. So that part is, is really cool. 
we used to be the best kept secret in San Diego. So we're trying to change that. <laughs> exactly, exactly. It's also been really great to be part of the Emerging Leaders Group at ECS. I mentioned at the beginning that I work in tech companies. I work in really small tech companies. And I really, really love the opportunity to build, whether it's a technology solution or a team or a tower with Legos, although it's been a while since I've done that. With the Emerging Leaders Group at ECS, what we've started to do is build on the idea that Actually, there are a lot of people who were in a pretty similar predicament that I found myself in in 2020 when I said, hey, this is where I live. I want to make it my home, but I need to figure out how to find community in a way that resonates and that a lot of those folks are maybe a little bit younger and maybe not so turned on by the idea of church, but really turned on by the idea of community and service and giving back. And so we wanted to create an opportunity for those folks to come together under the ECS umbrella and support the causes and parts of the community that we that we support and that we work with closely, but to do it in a way that also builds relationships with one another. It's been super cool to be a part of, and I've been really excited with the way that when this group gets together, it's just sort of a flow of ideas that comes afterwards of all the things that we might be able to do to continue to build and support our community. If this sounds like it's for you, on April 21st, come join us. We're having a gathering for folks who'd like to learn a little bit more. It's a real opportunity to get to know both some of the folks who are involved with ECS and also the Emerging Leaders Group as well. What is the best way for people to learn more about or to support the work of ECS? We do have a website, ecscalifornia.org. We have a really active social media group. All of our handles are ECS California on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. And now in the description for this podcast, they will be also. Yes. You can find them if you just scroll down. So it just good. takes a flick of the thumb. <laughs> yeah. Thank you all so much for sharing about the work of ECS. We always also ask our guests to share a place where they saw or felt God's presence in their life in the last week. This weekend was a big sports weekend here in San Diego. On Friday, I went to the San Diego Crew Classic Regatta, and then Saturday, the SDSU game. Padres were also playing. And so there was just so much energy and excitement in community this weekend related to sports. I think that's definitely where I saw God working, bringing people together in mm. joy and celebration, celebrating really big accomplishments. So good luck, Aztecs, tonight. Yeah, we Pass will them. know what happened. We don't get to know right now, but we will know what has happened. This all coming from that's a Philly right. fan. Don't let him fool right. you. <laughs> right, yeah. As you're talking, Angela, I was reminded last Sunday was ECS and Community Engagement Sunday at the Episcopal Church up in Del Mar, and I had the opportunity to go. And I have to admit, this is a little uh, a little hard to admit, but it was one of the first times I'd been in church in a really long time. Mm -hmm. And I was really struck by two things in that service. The first one was the way that the children were asked to come up to the altar as the elements were being prepared for communion. It just struck me as such a representation of how that table is really accessible to everyone. I also was really struck, I heard for the first time, I think with really new ears, some of what was in the communion prayer and contrasting it with some of my own experience growing up and, and hearing that like, if you weren't ready to receive communion, you were sort of like heaping condemnation onto yourself and having a real kind of black and white approach to that experience. And walking up and taking communion when it was just sort of a, come, this is God's table. It's, it's, it's here for you. Come take, come eat, come feed. It, it was actually, it was really, really moving and meaningful in a way that I hadn't thought of in a while. And, and actually, Angel, you talking about the way that 
ECS is an opportunity for folks to be engaged across things and even the conversation we were having in the lobby before we stepped in this room are good reminders of kind of the openness of that table and the opportunity that we really have with it to build community. I love that. Thank you. All right. Well, thank you all for sharing all those things. Um, and we would always love to hear from you all listening. If you have any questions or comments or stories from your week of faith discussion and reflection, especially about this gospel we're going to talk about, if you'd like to share any of your God sightings from this past week, or if you want to share something about your ministry context, something you're excited about going on in the world, we'd love to hear from you. You can find all those ways of getting in contact with us listed in the description for this episode, as well as all those links to follow ECS and get more information and how to support them. And now we're going to talk about the gospel for this upcoming Sunday, the third Sunday in Easter in year A, April 23rd. The gospel is Luke 24, 13 to 35. Charlotte is going to read it, and then I'll give a little bit of context. And then we're each going to give a point for four four points, so you get a bonus point Mm -hmm. this week. So take it away, Charlotte. Now on that same day, two of them were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem and talking with each other about all these things that had happened. While they were talking and discussing, Jesus himself came near and went with them. But their eyes were kept from recognizing him. And he said to them, What are you discussing with each other while you walk along? They stood still, looking sad. Then one of them, whose name was Cleopas, answered him, Are you the only stranger in Jerusalem who does not know the things that have taken place there in these days? He asked them, What things? They replied, The things about Jesus of Nazareth, who was a prophet mighty in deed and word, before God and all the people, and how our chief priests and leaders handed him over to be condemned to death and crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one to redeem Israel. Yes, and besides all this, it is now the third day since these things took place. Moreover, some women of our group astounded us. They were at the tomb early this morning. And when they did not find his body there, they came back and told us that they had indeed seen a vision of angels who said that he was alive. Some of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but they did not see him. Then he said to them, Oh, how foolish you are, and how slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have declared. Was it not necessary that the Messiah should suffer these things and then enter into his glory? Then, beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them the things about himself in all the scriptures. As they came near the village to which they were going, he walked ahead as if he were going on. But they urged him strongly, saying, Stay with us, because it is almost evening and the day is now nearly over. So he went in to stay with them. When he was at the table with them, he took bread, blessed and broke it, and gave it to them. Then their eyes were opened and they recognized him, and he vanished from their sight. They said to each other, Were not our hearts burning within us while he was talking to us on the road, while he was opening the scriptures to us? That same hour they got up and returned to Jerusalem, and they found the eleven and their other companions gathered together. They were saying, The Lord has risen indeed, and he has appeared to Simon. Then they told what happened on the road and how he had been made known to them in the breaking of the bread. Here we are in Luke's gospel. So now we're on our third gospel in three weeks, because on Easter we were in Matthew. Last week we were in John for Jesus's resurrection appearance to the disciples in the upper room, and Thomas not believing. 
now we are in Luke, making our way through the various resurrection appearances in, the, in all the Gospels. So the thing that happened right before this in chapter 24, the first 12 verses of chapter 24, is the story of them going to the empty tomb on the morning of Easter, where they do not see Jesus in that version of the story in Luke. So this is actually the first appearance. There's no like appearance to Mary or to any of the disciples outside the tomb in Luke. Jesus appears to them on the road to Emmaus. And then right after this, Jesus appears to the, the 11 disciples in that upper room in Jerusalem and asks them for some fish. Apparently resurrected Jesus in Luke is extremely hungry. Snack-oriented. Yeah. I mean, I guess he hasn't eaten for three days. <laughs> And then this is the last chapter of Luke's gospel, you know, and then the writer of Luke continues in part two, which we call Acts. Right after this is is uh, the end of the gospel. So that's where we are. And Charlotte's got the first point. I want to highlight a character in this story that we only get to hear referenced one time. Mm-hmm. So I think we need to give him his full credit and full due because this is a transformational experience that we get to see through his eyes. And that is Cleopas. Mm. Cleopas is named, and I think that that is important in this. The things that he shares are important in this. But before that, I want to name like where his emotions are in this, right? So at the beginning of this gospel, we hear about them walking down the road. We hear about their sadness. We hear that they don't recognize Jesus as he comes upon them. And I'm thinking about, you know, that journey through grief and all of those things that happen. And we're going to talk about that more later. Moore was thinking about the building emotion of being in conversation with a friend, Because like oftentimes when something really devastating has happened to us, we pack it away, we store it inside, but that doesn't mean that it's not there. And it's when we get to be in conversation with someone else that the, that the emotions start to reveal themselves and that they build and they get bigger. And so they've been walking and they've been talking in this safe space, this shared space between friends who have had the same experience. And then there's Jesus whom they don't recognize, but there's Jesus. And Jesus asks them this question about like, you know, what are you guys talking about when you're walking? And you think that, you know, this is a fairly innocent question for Jesus to be asking two people on the road, but because Cleopas's emotions are so big, I can just hear it in his response that oftentimes when I'm working with children, I talk about how like sometimes when our emotions get big, they spill out of our body in different ways. And some ways are helpful um, and we cry. Other times maybe they aren't so healthy. And so we lash out at people with either our words or our actions. And it's really just the way that we are dealing with these emotions that are inside of us. And so Cleopas is like, Um, are you the only person in Jerusalem who doesn't know what's happened? (laughs) And obviously it is not written with tone. I can hear the tone. Maybe it's my own lived experience. Maybe I'm only surrounded by people that offer tone in these instances, or maybe it's who I am. And yet I can hear it. And later on, Jesus does, you know, scold them and reflect to them about like revealing the scripture and helping them to interpret them. But in that moment, he doesn't. In that moment, instead, he says, what things? And it's almost as though he creates space for them to process their grief. Mm -hmm. Because they do. They say everything that has happened. They tell the story of who Jesus was to them and to the world, what happened to him. They get to journey in this way with Jesus without even knowing that it's Jesus that they're sharing their grief with. And, And I love that this takes place this way because... When I haven't responded to things as my best self or when someone else has, I don't think about those reactions as being holy. Um, I don't think it lashing out at people is holy. And yet through this, Jesus created this space. He opened up this room 
for them to instead to take that that response that was offered and to create healing from it and to connect to him. It was probably the beginning of the connection that they felt to Jesus before they even realized their hearts were burning was by getting to unburden themselves to him. Jesus' response, while he does listen, he's then like, why are you guys sad? Yeah. You sh- I mean, it doesn't make any sense. You should be understanding what is going on here. But I think it's like, which I don't think is a helpful response, but I think that like what is, <laughs> what's Jesus. cool about when I think about it more, what's cool about Jesus's response is that the way he invites them to process their grief is to put it in the context of a larger story, mm-hmm. that their sadness is important, but that their sadness is within the context of some bigger thing, this larger narrative, so that their experience is part of this larger narrative of like the human experience and this bigger journey that that is happening. And so it's kind of a cool way of thinking about how like Jesus is trying is trying to like provide this framework for them to like container for their emotion, their trauma to 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 live in, to integrate into. And that's I think like the the gift that a religious tradition, a spiritual tradition can give to people is that like we can see ourselves not as just kind of individuals floating around in this massive thing of chaos, but that like we, our story is part of a larger story and that we are taking part in this kind of communal expression and embodiment of, of God in the world. Mm -hmm. So I have to say, Charlotte, uh, when you were reading that, it hit me in a different way, actually, just as you were reading it now, that this was so quickly after Jesus was crucified. This was just a few days later. We're talking the same week. Um, and, and that sort of situational orientation is really fascinating as you think about the emotions and the rawness. Um, the thing that makes me think about, too, is just um, the, the part where, where at the very end, their eyes were opened, they realized it was Jesus, and then he vanished. And it makes me wonder how many times Jesus was there and we didn't see it, or I didn't see it, or the community didn't see it, or the world didn't see it. How many times he was there and we weren't necessarily looking, or he didn't look like what we thought he would look like, Mm. and yet he was there. Um, it, it really, it's really eye-opening to me to just kind of think about that in context and then layering in the additional realization that this is, you know, a really raw period of emotion like you were talking about. Mm-hmm. I think that was what my point was also going to be is just how we get so caught up in, in our own sadness and our own grief and our own disappointments that we forget to see the bigger picture that God is still there with us in, in the midst of all this emotions that we have. And, you know, he wants to be near to us. He wants to walk with us um, on this journey to where we're going and just like actually be a friend and someone that you can go to and tell about all these other things. But we're so caught up in our own like little box that we forget that there's a bigger picture. It made me think of like God hardening Pharaoh's heart, Mm -hmm. you know, in the Hebrew scriptures. But it doesn't say that God kept their eyes from seeing. But it's more like you're saying, like their um, their experience, their emotion, their the things that they were processing, keeping their eyes held back from from seeing Jesus in front of them. My point, the fourth point, was about the end of the story as well, and like how the only way that they see Jesus is by breaking this bread with them, and only after that can they like reflect back over this whole this whole experience that they've had with this person and realize, oh my gosh, it was Jesus this whole time. And like, didn't, weren't, or weren't we like burning up inside when he was explaining the scriptures to us and, and talking about, and, you know, helping us process what was going on. 
I was struck by the fact that like the, that never that moment of breaking bread never would have happened if they hadn't invited him in to be with them because mm-hmm. it's like Jesus is just going to keep going. <laughs> He's going to walk along and they had every opportunity to just let this stranger go away. You know, they don't they don't know this person. They the person clearly doesn't like have a vested interest in what's going on in their lives. There are probably a ton of people traveling because they're with like a bunch of people that are leaving Jerusalem because a bunch of people had kind of converged on Jerusalem for the Passover feast and observances. And now people are kind of disbanding and going back their separate ways. And so it would have been really easy for them in their sadness, you know, in their grieving to just let this person walk away. It's kind of like this beautiful way that even in this most traumatic, frustrating, confusing moment, they are like, still deeply committed to what they've learned from Jesus, which is to invite people to bread, which is to invite people to a meal, which is to sit and eat with strangers, people that they don't know, people that are confusing to them, you know, people that they don't recognize, people that don't look the way that they're expecting them to look. And so I think it's just a beautiful, this beautiful invitation to realize that like without that moment of inviting the stranger in to be with them, to this intimate moment of sharing a meal together, they don't ever see Jesus. They don't have any kind of conclusion to their grieving. They don't have this incredible opportunity to recognize that Jesus has been with them the whole time. And like you were talking about with the Eucharist, Mm -hmm. that this is a table open for everybody. Mm -hmm. The table is only open for the people that we invite to be part of the table. And so like they could have had their own private table in this story, but they invited this person in to be part of that as well. And in doing so, they recognized Jesus. And then, and then Jesus kind of like evaporates. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. I don't know if it's like Jesus disappears or Jesus kind of just blends in with everything and they recognize, wow, Jesus is here always. Like Jesus is just part of, part of the, part of the creation. Just a cool invitation to constantly be taking care of people because that's what they were trying to do. They were like, it's, it's getting dark, and where are you going to go? They have this care for this person that they do not need to care for. But it's part of their call as disciples to take care of other people. And also to go back and tell everyone about it. Yes. You know? yeah. um, I love the line that their hearts were burning within them. And as a graduate of a Jesuit university, one of the lines that people always say is, go forth and set the world on fire. And I think that's really what they were doing. They had an encounter with Christ that changed their lives and and Mm -hmm. they went on this long trip and then went back to where they started Mm -hmm. because they had to tell someone yeah Yeah. they had to invite someone yeah (laughs) all right well that's our four points for today point number one was Charlotte's about Cleopas the emotions the invitation to processing in the space that Jesus creates by listening to their story number two was Megan's and about Jesus being present uh, in and but not looking like a person they expected, mm-hmm. you know, not looking the way that they thought he would. The invitation to be, you know, open to Jesus's presence in all people and all places in our lives that we don't expect. Angels was also about not being able to see and the things that hold us back from seeing Christ and the presence in the world. And mine was about the invitation that they extend to Jesus when he is still a stranger, when they still don't know that it's him. And that the opportunity and the the imperative to take care of one another. 
So having heard those four points. Four points. We'd love to know what your point would have been if you'd been a guest on the pod this week. Thank We're you. We're taking bets on which one you like better. So. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> cast your vote this week on Instagram. And be cast out of the temple. <laughs> yes. Whoever, yes, that's right. Whoever gets the least votes can't come back on the show. I did not know the stakes were this high. Yeah. It's pretty much Survivor. It's just podcast Survivor. Thank you to Angel and to Megan for being on the podcast this week. Thanks, you guys. We loved having you. Absolutely. Thank you for having us. Make sure again to go check out the work that ECS is doing that Angel and Megan are putting so much energy into. We would love it if you go check those out, see how you can support and take part in the work of ECS in San Diego. And we'll be back next week to talk about the fourth Sunday in Easter in year A, April 30th. Until then, we say goodbye. Goodbye, Goodbye, everybody. everybody. Job, you guys. Well done. Oh, I said everyone instead of that's everybody. okay. Unbelievable. Fired. Well, that's absolutely it. fired. You, you, you definitely <laughs> cannot come back. <laughs>